0: Love Pono's mission is to provide a safe environment to help the Leeward community build and maintain healthy relationships. We provide helpful resources and services on our Instagram handle every day at Love Pono. All right, David, um, let's take a different turn here with our discussion and let's sort of highlight some of the uh, topics or organizations that have helped people recover from Uh, violence and abuse so of course we want to talk about some of the things that you already mentioned before the respect campaign that you you plugged uh, Mm -hmm. earlier um but let's sort of highlight some other organizations like uh pow violence the me too movement and give us some others that you can think of that people might be able to access and benefit from
1: yeah for sure um well you know just going back to the respect campaign and uh, I can share a little bit about that. Uh, so the respect campaign was an initiative started by the Sex Abuse Treatment Center, which is a local um, support, uh, support services center for survivors of sex assault on Oahu. And you know SATC 2006, 2007 uh, was looking during at that time that we're looking for just a creative way to get young people, uh, involved in preventing sexual violence, so they began this initiative. They 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 had this uh, video that they did. Uh, I believe they they played it um, <clears throat> at a at a conference, and it was about respect and just that simple concept of showing respect in your relationships. What that looks like, just unpacking that was vital to prevention and, and preventing of you know this form of violence so since then the respect campaign has grown it's taken many forms um, some of which have been in majority has to be with community outreach and education uh, the respect campaign has done various skits currently uh, there's two uh there's two partners well one there's a primary partnership with the honolulu theater for youth uh, and the Sex Abuse Treatment Center's Respect Campaign, and they've created um, really two presentations to take to, to young folks, particularly in middle schools and high schools. Uh, one of those pieces is called Expect Respect, um, and Expect Respect is is really a, a cool, a very, very engaging, and a very just cool and neat way of bringing in this message of of preventing violence and just getting young people on board, uh, Expect Respect is, uh, is done in the form of skits. And so it's about an hour long uh, performance, uh, series of skits. And these are done by uh, actually uh, some young folks, some young presenters um, from Farrington High School's uh, t-shirt theater. And these wonderful performers, you know, they've constructed about five or six skits or so and they'll do these for large groups, large assemblies, and middle schools. And in the skits, you know, you have a little bit of comedy. You, you, you have, you know, obviously some more maybe more dramatic acting parts. But at the end, there's a very important uh, message, right? And and the message is that one, um, sexual violence is is a, a is an important issue to discuss. Sexual violence really does. Um, can hurt people in in a very, in just a very real way. And the consequences can be very tough, specifically for survivors. And lastly is that they, you know, they, the middle schoolers, right? The young people uh, watching this performance, they can do something to prevent this from happening. They can be um, a supportive friend. They can step in and and say something uh, if they see a potentially harmful situation. So all of those messages are really done and and brought to, you know, the audience of these young folks through skits. Uh, So it's really, really cool to see. Uh, So that's one of those main performances. The second one is called Respect 2.0, and this one was primarily done with high school students. And in a similar way, it's a performance, but it's, it's for a smaller group. It's usually done in classrooms, and respect, and respect 2.0, uh, you have two facilitators who are pretty much involving the class as participants in this performance or in this scenario. And the facilitators will take uh, the students into this scenario of, one, you know, what happens when there is a potentially harmful situation, a form of sexual violence that happens, and just seeing how it plays out through um social media through texting through all of these different forms and the students actually get to play roles they get to play their own parts maybe of someone who is uh you know enabling you know that that type of uh of violence to students who are you know against it and 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 just taking a stand to to many different roles so the students kind of try out all these different hats and at, the end of the, and at the end of the performance, um, the facilitators are along with our um, educators from uh, SATC, Sex Abuse Treatment Center. They'll have a discussion uh, with the students and they'll talk about the scenario. They'll talk about how real and relevant it can be. And in reality, in the real lives, what can they do if they do see a potentially harmful situation? What do they do if they know that one of their friends or loved ones is a survivor? of this form of violence. And so it's just, again, through discussion, through the arts, students really get to know about, um, yeah, it's just about preventing this, man. So those are really the two, one of the two main ways the, the two main ways that I've seen Respect uh, Campaign evolve and, and currently uh, do the work uh, of community education. And beyond that, there's some more things that Respect Campaign has done. They've uh, they've been a part of creating uh, a film called Shots, which is then geared towards young adults. And Shots really is another dialogue-based, discussion-based educational activity, where one, through the film, you also get to discuss um, a harmful situation. Uh, You get to discuss how alcohol plays a role in sexual violence. And because this is now with young adults, right, there's a lot more that you get to discuss about, um, you know, just the intersections of, of alcohol and other substances and sex assault. You get to discuss how uh, gender roles and gender socialization plays a role. So those those ways, um, community outreach and education, uh, I think to me are just the, those major ways that the Respect Campaign has and continues to uh, to impact the community. <clears throat>
2: Yeah, I think those are awesome uh, programs, and those are, I think the best thing I heard about it is that it targets audiences as low as middle school, because I know in a lot of my ethnic studies classes and uh, women's studies classes, a lot of uh, people face these uh, sexual abuse and a lot of type of abuse prior to um, middle school. So, you know, a lot of these students are getting this information a little bit later than their actual traumatic experiences, but it's good to address it as early as possible. And I think um, them targeting the middle school to give them a, a, to start the conversation, then in high school to increase the conversation. And then as you said, in college, once it gets there, it starts exploring things such as alcoholism and substance abuse and their roles in that. So I think with covering all grounds, really from, you know, a child starting pubescence all the way to um, being an adult, I think it's an awesome thing to really implement and uh, to use for a lot of our students.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and that's and, and thanks, AJ, too, because that reminds me, um, it, it's not part of the respect campaign, but SATC um in their overall education, they 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 do have um age appropriate materials for elementary school kids, uh kindergarten, you know, first grade, second grade. And the idea behind it is that they're really, you know, as early and as often as you can get your children to talk about you know from early on just what does your body mean right just learning the parts of your body learning who can touch them who cannot um learning that you have a right to your body you have a you know what i'm saying you have that ability to to let your your parent know you 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 have um this just power within your own self uh to say something and to talk about it and on one hand, one where we're like we're educating our children, you know, what I'm saying early. On second, it takes away that stigma from from you know from kids. And you know, when we really get into this into this issue of, of sex assault, I mean it's a, it's a it's a tough topic. It's a traumatic topic, and it's one that has been taboo for so long. So SATC's. Uh, thinking in, in this education is let's try to remove that tabooness, I guess you could say, you know, that taboo feeling. And let's talk about it with our kids. Let's talk about it at any age. You may not obviously, you know, talk about, you know, particularly assault with a very, you know, young one. But when it comes to healthy boundaries, right, again, who can touch a body, who cannot? Um, that's already something that at early age, you can talk about it, SCTC has creative ways to do it from those really, really early ages all the way up to adults. So um, it's just, yeah, it's one of these, it's an issue that you have to talk about at each stage um, if possible.
2: Yeah, I think I think that you place a good point that there's no too early of an age to teach them the importance of their own body and their own privacy. My daughter's five years old and I just had to talk with her the other day about who should be allowed to touch her body and who can see what certain parts of her body and how she should be um you know protective over what's hers because it's really you know it's the only temple in the world that we get that is solely ours and cannot be uh, obstructed unless you know someone really violates you so yeah i think i think you're completely right there's never too early of an age to start talking and teaching them the importance of uh protecting themselves
1: yeah that's what's up and it's good to hear yeah that's great that you know you're having that conversation with your daughters and um you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, I personally don't have kids, but, you know, if I would, I would be taking the page out of your book, man, because, you know, and like I said, as early as, as possible, you know, just, you know, talking with our kids about that is, is, is so important. But yeah, man, more power to you, man. That's that's great.
0: Yeah, that's that's amazing. And to sort of add on to that, you know, taking the the idea that, you know, we need to protect what is ours, our body, you know, and that that body is a soul temple of ours sort of add to that, you know, we're all unique in our own way and we should feel empowered to protect that because from a genetic standpoint, we're a one of one copy, you know, there's no, even, I mean, even if you wanna get technical, you know, even twins, right? You know, they're still one of one copies in their own right. So we should all be empowered in our own right to protect what is ours. And, and you know, to sort of teach that to uh, the younger generations, uh, so that we can make people aware of how serious an issue this is.
1: Yeah. And, and, and you know, that's, yeah, that's a good point, Nick, right, of, of having feeling empowered, knowing that you have this power to protect your body. and And to also add to that, um, which is, I think that you know, SATC for you know all this time that they've been around 40, 40 some odd years, they balance it also with the knowledge and the truth that uh, you know, along with the power that we have to to protect to, to to say something when when you know someone does cross that line, we also know that you know at times, uh, again, when an incident of sex assault happens, it's not the survivor's fault, right? It's not the victim's fault, um, and that puts a lot of onus on other people. On our communities to also be aware of their bodies, you know what I mean? And and saying, yo, I'm not going to cross this line. And when that does happen, you know, that's when, you know, I think we were talking about it earlier of um, of just believing our, believing survivors of, again, recognizing that it is not their fault for someone's actions that cross their line, right? Like we have to always put that onus on folks. And, you know, that's really helpful because uh, again, there's there's times where you know in the in the in, in the case of, of sex of sex assault, um, if we look at alcohol, right? Some folks who 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 may not be conscious or or may be you know intoxicated, um, you know you you put that in, and and even if they are aware and they are conscious, it's 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 never, and we're of that belief, right? That it's never the fault or onus on the survivor, which again I think empowers everybody else to also recognize that, you know, you have control of making sure you don't cross that line, right, making sure that you respect others, that you get their full knowledge and consent, all of these things that, that we can talk about, but um, it provides a balance to it all uh, in, in terms of that aspect of, of you know, power and, and protecting yourself. Um, yeah, the same thing would be for someone else. It's like, yo, make sure that I can protect you too, you know, that I'm you know, gaining full consent that I'm, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, And, um, and yeah, you know, just, I think all of that helps to, to really define respect. I think the way that the respect campaign wants to define it. And, and I think it's, you know, it really does make a difference. I've been fortunate to, to, to hear about those stories that learning about respect, thinking about this topic has really made an impact in, in, in folks' lives and communities that we've been able to engage with. Um, when it comes to, yeah, just to preventing violence.
0: <clears throat> Absolutely, for sure. And, you know, I think we're on a great track for, for this particular half of the episode. You know, we're, we're sort of riding this education train and I kind of want to stay on track with this um, because the next big thing we need to do is, you know, make people aware. And we do that, you know, through organizations like SATC, so how can people in positions of power, you know, especially athletes, you know, how can they be the voice for people who are affected by this abuse? Um,
1: yeah, I, you know, one thing that, that I, I comes to mind, and I think is, is really important. And I don't know how often it's talked about, but it's about learning about this issue of sex assault. And whether you are uh, an athlete or in the position of, where you hold, you know, a certain amount of power, you know, in an institution or a company, whatever, but learning about sex assault is something that I would tell everybody. And the reason is one, because when we begin to understand how impacting how traumatic sex assault is on the person's body, their life, like all aspects, you know what I'm saying? Like their mental, uh, emotional, spiritual, Sex assault affects all of that. Right. Because as AJ said, right, when you violate someone's body, whether that be in an inappropriate comment through an inappropriate touch or, at, you know, sex assault where, you know, uh, there is full penetration. I know that sounds like, oh, damn, that's, you know, but that's the truth about sex assault. You know what I'm saying? Like it could be in all of these forms. And no matter what it is, it's a violation of someone's body of their, like y'all been saying, right, that temple, that sacred space. So learning about that one bit can help to build empathy. So you can help to put yourself in another person's shoes and then and there begin to see like, okay, what are some things that they could experience? Not that anything I think will ever make, will ever allow us to fully understand that. And I don't think we, we, we need to per se, because Obviously, sex assault is a traumatic experience already, um, but it allows us, again, to build that empathy, um, to connect emotionally. And I think that that's what a lot of times is missing for folks is, you know, really like, do you know of, of folks that have, you know, been assaulted sexually? Like, do you know their stories? Have, have you ever, you know, really had a chance to, to even build that empathy? Um, and get to see like exactly what sex assault is, what the impacts are, what the consequences can be, the outcomes that there can be. I think when we, when we begin to do that um, for everybody, but yeah, I would say for folks like, like you mentioned, those two roles, athletes or, you know, folks in a particular power position, I guess, I would say that is we gotta, they gotta learn, we gotta teach and we gotta learn, you gotta be open to learning about sex assault, um, learning about all that. mm
0: mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, it's, it seems to come up in the news every so often. And I think that's why the education is necessary, like having these necessary conversations to, to be able to teach people empathy, to be able to put people out of their comfort zone and to get them to realize how serious this is. Because You know, and this isn't, you know, no organization is immune to to issues like this because you look at, I think it was Baylor University, who just recently, within the past maybe three, five years, had to do a complete investigation of their athletic department because there were reports of of sex abuse that went undocumented, you know? Um, Yeah. Especially in the instances of uh, Michigan State. With Dr. Larry Nasser, Penn State, Jerry Sandusky, you know, and these things are are damaging not only for the victims but also for the universities as well.
1: Yeah, you know, and and there's got to be that that accountability, right? Um, You know, accountability within their institutions and organizations. Uh, But accountability, I think, accountability to me is interesting, and I see it in a couple ways. One. I see when institutions, you know, do these investigations, from my perspective, they do it as a reaction to an incident that happened, but it's not a response that's coming out from like, yo, this is a priority that we just got to touch upon. And so I, I'm in that boat too. Where I'm not too sure how to be able, like, what strategies do we get so that we, it's, this does not become a reaction, but this becomes a response and I think part of it is we need to understand, too, that, again, with, within institutions, there's a lot of things that also intersect that make it very, very challenging for there to be true accountability, in my, in my belief, uh, for perpetrators of, of sex assault, for, again, like you said, lack of, of, of doing, you know, complete processing and investigation and really, you know, going through those steps. Um, we we, we got to talk about, again, these these institutions, where are their priorities, right? Who are these folks that are making these decisions and um, beginning to to dig deeper into, yeah, what what do y'all see as, as a priority? Why hasn't creating healthy atmospheres, why hasn't preventing sex assault, providing accountability, why hasn't that been a priority prior? Um, and how do we then begin to make that a priority now, Um and so there's there's a lot of things that, like I said intersections that go into that, um, which you know might lead us to a different conversation. But as a starting point, I would say you know we have to also bring in these administrators, those who are in those levels, like you talked about levels of power at these institutions, seeing why that is, exploring why that is, um, and I think that we're going to find some things that many folks won't like, that the public won't like. I think that they'll find things in regards to, uh, like I said, intersections, whether that's, you know, understanding this idea of patriarchy, right, that, you know, this is a male-dominated, a male-standard male type of, of, not just institution, but in the way that our society works here in the United States, you'll find intersections of uh, racism and white supremacy. And again, that's a whole different topic that we could talk about maybe for a different podcast, but it's in there. And so when we, be, when we begin to really uncover more, get deeper into these, into these deep rooted problems, um, like I said, for some folks, it, it, it's not going to be an easy topic to discuss, but to me, true accountability has to get to, to those roots, has to start digging into there. I don't know what that could look like. I don't know if that comes through, you know, co- you know, community level action and, and community level press. You know, like people pressing from the community, and being like, "Yo, this needs to get done." If this needs to come from, you know, people within the universities, or it might just be a whole everybody. You know, just really pushing this forward. I'm not too sure. You mentioned, by the way, Nick. You mentioned the Me Too movement um, earlier, and to me, that was you know, also a, a, um, a step and, and that pressure, I think, coming to fruition is people really beginning to say, yo, this is some, something that we just do not want to tolerate. We cannot tolerate this, you know. Um, I think in, in, in similar movements or in similar ways, we're seeing that towards, you know, white supremacy and white supremacist policies and behaviors, um, where folks are saying, yo, we ain't going to tolerate this. But one thing that we also got to be mindful of, and I think also affects these movements um, is, you know, they're in the spotlight for a bit. Like the Me Too movement was really much in the spotlight. And then it just slowly starts to, you know, we don't see it as, as often in the, in the media. We don't see it as often on Twitter or on whatever space, you know, we're getting our information from. Why is that? You know I'm saying, why, why is that? It could be many things. You know, one thing, though, that I've seen is that there is always, you know, we got to be careful, too, of these gestures from a lot of, you know, different institutions of saying like, OK, well, we'll change this policy. You know, we're, we're going to do this investigation. But again, it's a it's a reaction. Where is the response? Where is the priority that we can no longer want to tolerate this? This does not this has no place in our in our institutions. Um, that's just yeah, man, it's like a. I think we, we yeah, we, we got to think about those things and um, it's no easy task, but, you know.
2: Yeah, I think you uh, placed a very important point on, um, in the Navy, we got uh, two types of maintenance. We have repairing maintenance, we have preservation. And I think what you're trying to hit on is preservation. We're trying to stop the problem before it happens. And it really does start at the top because these athletes work for people who, you know, these college athletes, a lot of these uh, people are part of programs and organizations that have a culture of really not taking sexual assault serious because just as you said, the white supremacy and a lot of our patriotic, 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 um, uh, damn, hold on, damn, I just blanked out. Um, Nick, you're gonna have to edit half of this out. Um, yeah, a lot of the white supremacy and what our systems are built off of is, you know, male priorities. So placing a woman's um, priorities or even safety ahead of a man's interest, which, uh, you know, some men are some people are crazy and, you know, their interests may involve hurting people and placing that that education at the stop, at the top to let the rest of everybody else know this is the standard, this is what we're going to uphold in our organization. It really does start at the top with the education and implementation of um, these people. But in contrast, there are people just as professionally trained to, co- to oppose these type of uh, teachings and oppose these type of things. And I think it's important to also keep in mind those, um, this is a big room and to think everybody in this room is our friend is not, um, you know, a wise way to, move forward. So I think, uh, yeah, I think you placed a good emphasis on preservation of, um, safety.
1: Yeah. You know, you know, just thinking about, you know, yeah, your words about, like you said, yeah, having people who are, you know, ready to, 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 to make that, you know, I'm saying to make that change and, but also being aware of, of the space and being aware of, you know, all of these different opinions, um, and stances is going to be important. And I think for folks who are, you know, if you are looking to to be on that level of advocacy, of really, you know, beginning to bring accountability, maybe you're in a position, you know, in your institution, your university to, to do that. Like, I think what, one thing that I would say is, is being aware of those gestures of, you know, well, uh, and what I mean by gestures is, and I've seen it with, we've seen it with many institutions where we'll, you know, those. Maybe say a, a, a solidarity statement, you know, with survivors, although say, you know, we're, we're we're gonna do better and we're gonna do that. And in my critical gaze, you feel me? In my critical eye, I'm like, okay, how are you gonna, what is this solidarity gonna really look like? What are the actions and not just actions, but how are you gonna make this a priority? You know, um, as much as a priority as making money. You feel me? Like, institutions make money. You know what I mean? That's how institutions stay institutions. So when will preventing, let's say this topic, when will preventing sex assault, when will preventing sex assault for, you know, uh, our most marginalized communities, when will that be as much of a priority as making money? I don't know. <laughs> I don't got an answer, but I feel like to me, that's, that's at the heart of it. So I mean, that's at the, that's at the middle of it is as much as a priority as it is for your school to make money. Um, then to me, I think that if we don't see that, then I think we got to keep working. We got to keep advocating. We got to keep educating. We got to keep bringing these things up. Um, like I've been saying, bringing up awareness because statements, these gestures, as good as as good intention, I guess you could say, as they are, ain't it. You know what I'm saying? A- it ain't enough. We've had that already. We've had many years of, of, of good intentions, you know, quote unquote, good intentions. And I, to me, I feel like this kind of goes into many different topics. You know that we've been that we, we just discussed of, of white supremacy and racism. Where, yo, all of these good intentions, we've we've seen them. We yeah, okay, we have got the statement. We 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 see that you're trying to do all this, but that ain't it. That ain't the goal. You know, um, until this is you know going back to this issue, until it's enough of a, of a priority as much as it is for your institution to make money and, and you feel me and to bring in those funds, then we you know if then we still got to keep finding.
0: So my personal stance, (laughs) y'all. Oh, and that's, yeah, we, we definitely appreciate you giving your thoughts and your opinions uh, on this particular subject matter, because, you know, we felt that you were important enough of a person to bring on to this podcast because you, 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 you know, you're very well educated about this stuff. So I appreciate that. I
1: appreciate that. Plus, I, uh, you know, I know y'all for a bit, so
0: I was going to come on this podcast no matter what,
1: <laughs> just yeah. to chop yeah. it up.
0: Yeah, no, knowing us, you know, that that helps with the chemistry a little bit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, nah, but I appreciate y'all so much. Thanks for yeah, just taking the time to uh, to get that, you know, and um, you know, I, I was just telling uh, you know students in my class. Um, this past week and I was just uh, thinking about the years that uh, I've been in, in social work and just thinking about that job in in 9 you know when I first started as a counselor and, and, and going in different places and you know as as honored as I as I as I am of just being in different rooms and spaces with people and, and any type of way that I can be and use you know just use myself and, and be of service to others um, I've also seen a, you know, I, I I've seen a lot to be able to, to have come to some of these views, and I offer them as as to to y'all, to our listeners, you know, to whoever, as just things to think about, because there's going to be folks who, you know, might be listening who who are thinking about going into, you know, advocacy or who are part of, you know, who are survivors themselves, you know, and and my heart always extends out to survivors and um, and all of the, you know. 13, 14 some odd years that I've been a social worker um, and having seen some things, uh, my heart goes out to survivors, my heart goes out to them to receive, um, you know, to one day really see full justice to one day really see survivors being really treated and seen as human beings, you know, um, that that have been hurt and not through their own fault, and that they deserve to be supported, they deserve to be continue to be supported and for all of us to really be on that healing path with them. Um, That's really, you know, a a dream of mine. That's really my goal and and how even just try to do, you know, this, the education I've been doing for the, all these years. Um, So yeah, with with that, you know, I just appreciate y'all just giving me that chance to just share a little bit about that of my experiences and and just of, you know, how that all comes together. And again, my heart is always just a, is always going to be the support um our people support uh survivors um so yeah appreciate y'all
2: oh man we definitely appreciate you it's awesome um just all the work you've done i mean even us knowing you and you know from the experience of working with you just the work you've done we know you you really dedicate uh, yourself to a lot of what you do and you're genuine about it that's a different thing you know so a lot of people do this but may not be genuine about it and um I think it's also uh, great for me as a Latino male to have someone, a counterpart who really takes the path of doing something like this, because as you know, in a lot of our communities, this is not a priority. This is not really something that's um, very, you know, spoken about, it's kind of taboo. Um, so it's awesome to have someone um, of a higher generation to really be the staple point and teach a lot of this stuff so that I can know what I'm doing as I'm moving forward in my life.
1: Yeah, Thank, yeah, thank you, brother. I appreciate that, man. It's an honor. It's an honor to be with y'all and to uh, support support you folks. And 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 you know, I don't know if I told you this, but you know, I uh, yeah, I'm proud of y'all. You know, you, you, you both of you, man. You, you know, are, are really putting in this work to do this podcast, and y'all bring a lot of just good topics and good knowledge. And just to see y'all progress and learn, you know, as as y'all continue to grow as as young men. You feel me? As 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 a father, you know, as a, as a friend and sons, you know, all of that. Um, it's just such an honor. So anytime I get to support y'all, it's all love.
0: Yeah, we, we definitely appreciate that. Um, so David, uh, one last thing that I kind of want to extend to you, uh, and you can take this in any direction that you want to, but one of the phrases that you've been using that's really been sparking a lot of this conversation is intersections. So I know earlier we talked about some of the intersections between uh, sex sex abuse and sexual violence and toxic masculinity, right? That was earlier in in this particular episode. What other intersections that you feel need to be explored should we we sort of talk about and, and wrap up here with this particular topic? Yeah.
1: Uh, yo, I'm when, when, with that question, I'm thinking like, damn, that's going to lead us into <laughs> another two hours. Um, <laughs> just not, nah, just, but
0: just some highlights then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I guess first off, you know, that, I mean, that term has been used and is, and is, and is being used now, I think more in a more popular way, I guess, but it, it's, it's a term that has been used already for, um, for, for several years now, and in, in, in essence, um, you know, intersections really is just, it's a term to discuss other important issues that connect or somehow interact with uh, maybe a different uh, issue or need that needs to be addressed, right, and a lot of this is socially, right, like, like social issues and social needs, so when you talked about, for example, sex assault and its intersection with, you um, with toxic masculinity right to me that's yeah it's that one we we don't may not see a, con, a, a connection when you just say masculinity or, or a toxic expression of masculinity and sexual violence like well where's the connection but then we begin to to see and uncover how there's correlations right and so then we begin to see them kind of both coming in and intersecting with each other so so just crossing through and again interacting and, and having a, a role with each other so that's kind of how I've I've used that term intersections. And to your question about which other ones are there that we should be aware of when we're talking about sex assault, yeah, there's, there's many different uh, uh, um, intersections. And I think some that we've talked a little bit about, you know, already. First, I mean, with that topic of like a toxic way or toxic form of masculinity, um, to me, that's that's uh hmm, what's the term I'm trying to use? Uh that's sort of the the symptom of a larger problem, right? Because I think I shared this earlier, but you know, in in and I take a lot of times too in, in the way that I do education with with, with men, for example, on, on a lot of these topics is one, I drop back to my ancestral roots and and my indigenous. Uh, our, like our ancestors, indig- indigenous way of viewing the world, which is that one, every being on this earth carries of masculine and the feminine spirit. So masculinity and femininity for us is not, um, is not something negative, you know what I'm saying? Going between the masculine and the feminine, you, come, getting in touch and not just getting in touch, but using those and living those out in some way is part of life. And we see the masculine, whether that be in the form of passion, in the form of adventure, also being connected with, you know, the feminine spirit, which can be creative and can be nurturing. And so as a male, as a man, I can tap into those energies, you feel me? But again, that's using that that view. And so for me, when I say a toxic expression of masculinity, I'm not saying masculinity is bad, but the toxicity of it comes from how we've been educated, right? Like how, how do we learn about a man, which we've talked about earlier, right? Um, so to me, that socialization, the way that we're trained and informed and, and developed through society, through media, through um, society, societal norms, right? Gender roles come into that too. Like all of that creates this toxic idea or expression of what a man needs to be or what masculine needs to be. So that's one intersection for sure. The other one that I would say that I've been bringing up more and and continuing to to learn and and to see how much of an intersection, how great of a role it plays in this, is the intersection of racism, of white supremacy. And I say that because, one, when we look at, for example, when we look at Communities and communities that experience higher levels of sex assault. Um, And we can go even, you know, different states or we can go US at at large. But when we see that, we see one, um, black women experiencing sex assault in a very high rate. We see um, black and indigenous women and women of color who um, also experience that at a high rate. Uh, folks who identify as transgender, specifically if they are Black or Indigenous, um, experiencing that at a high rate. So, when we start to also see that intersection, we gotta also bring up that our survivors of, of of sex assault are dealing already with something so traumatic, and they're also dealing with the fact that you know they are you know they're they're part of the Black community, they're Indigenous, they're a person of color. And why is that an intersection? Well, here's a couple of things that the ways that I've, I've seen it uh, be an intersection, be an intersection that needs to be discussed because currently is it's been a problem. One, services that are given to um, uh, to particularly women, uh, 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 trans women of color, Black, Indigenous, is a lot of times services may not be, one, as accessible. Um, two, they may also experience discrimination in those services. Um because of their racial or ethnic identity, as well as as their gender identity. Um, And and so already we see that there. Secondly, I see it in society, right? Um, There's been more research and more, there continues to be more studies done of how particularly black indigenous women, um, trans women as well, are seeing uh, discrimination socially at a a higher rate um, than others. And again, when you begin to also think about how women are sexualized and seen in the media and in society, um, women who are identified who are part of those communities, will also have that traumatic experience, along with the fact that, one, it could be in a way that's, you know, um, sexually assaulting, you know, uh, and again, all of that, to me, adds a layers and layers of of problems that we really need to that we really need to discuss Um, so those are just a couple of ways that that I can mention that right now but like I was like I was saying like we could go a whole you feel me like a whole another podcast podcast on that but um to me those are just some some things that I wanted to highlight uh of two intersections that I see uh that I bring up in my education and uh yeah I I could
0: share with (coughs) y'all All right, absolutely. And a lot of people out there, you know, of course, while this, you know, particular statement may be true, um, a lot of people say correlation does not imply causation, right? But when we talk about these intersections, we're not just saying that, you know, assuming that the correlation or, or this thing is just automatically the truth. We're actually examining these things and we're following these lines and when they intersect, that's at the point of causation that that we need to examine and that we need to put under a microscope, uh, whether that be socially uh, or psychologically or biologically, whatever that may be, um, to sort of address this particular issue. All right, well, David, we've got just maybe three more questions for you Uh, We are a sports podcast, so we do want to end this uh, in some form of uh, athletic uh, way. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we we could talk about the
1: time I dropped 40 on AJ, so you feel me? We could do that. Yeah, for sure. A
2: lot of the guests may not know because I was muted, but I laughed hysterically (laughs) at that. No one ever dropped 40 on me. Kobe once tried, and he got his ACL torn at 38. So you can, let, you can see how that would go. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. my
1: God. <laughs> well, Rest in peace to the Mamba. Of course, of
0: course.
1: AJ knows though, I did drop 40 on him, though. A quick pick game.
0: You know, I, really, <laughs> I sincerely hope that the NBA does change the logo to Kobe Bryant, you know, um, because of all the things that he's done for that league. But yeah, that, again, that's a whole, whole nother topic. Uh, yeah. Time. So, um, David, we've got just three simple questions for you. You know, it's, we, we don't always do it, but, you know, we do have the time today to do it. So we're, we're going to go ahead and ask them. It's sort of a rapid fire type of uh, question. You can elaborate as much as you want to, or you can just answer with the first thing that comes to your mind the choice is yours okay all right for sure so if you could wake up one day and play any sport professionally what would it be uh uh, i would say baseball definitely wasn't expecting that answer okay (laughs) yeah i grew up
1: i i I grew up uh loving baseball that was like uh the first sport uh that i i like even just physically i felt i met the requirements (laughs) Your boy only is, you feel me, I'm only 5'8", y'all, um, you feel me, 195 pounds of muscle, but um, <laughs> that was, like, the only sport that I felt I was, like, ready for, and uh, physically, I mean, I wasn't going to be no basketball player, um, I wasn't going to be no, no football player, um, so baseball was, like, my first love in terms of sports, um, but I also, I also did uh, grappling sports, and, and, you know, I'll still try to get into that as much as I can um, wrestling or, or jujitsu, but, um, yeah, if I could baseball for sure.
0: And you played that in high school too, or was that just something that.
1: Yeah, I played, I, I played in, I, I played middle school and high school. Um, and I, high school, I was just too much of a knucklehead to, to, to really take things seriously, but, um, I played on a couple of, of leagues, uh, outside of, outside of my high school, uh, club too. Um, but I just, I just fooled around too much. I was too much of a knucklehead.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I've I've definitely had those knucklehead moments. Now that I can look back at it, um, but yeah, <laughs> you know, if I had taken volleyball a little bit more seriously, I might actually be playing college ball. But hey, <laughs> it is what it is.
2: David um, has gotta look back like 40 years though. So what's the difference? <laughs> <of you? laughs>
1: I know, man. I know. I I can't, you know, I know. I can't, I can't move the same no more. Now, honestly, to be honest with you, I I, I felt like if, if I probably would have taken it maybe, yeah, just a little bit more, more serious too. Um, Yeah. Maybe it's just, just a different perspective. Maybe it would have been a little bit different, but I was just too much of a knucklehead to, to even, you know, to like fully get there but i love playing though like I, I always like i grew up playing you know uh on the courts you know whatever wherever it was you know basketball courts and and sometimes on the basketball courts that's all we have so we would just play football there we play baseball there like um so i i've always you know enjoyed playing sports but, but anyways yeah baseball that's that's my answer
0: nice nice all right so Second question would be, what is your favorite sport to watch as a fan? Uh, I'd
1: say, damn, as a fan that I feel like I could watch uh, of of any team, (laughs) I think I'm going to have to uh, probably just say, God, I don't know. That's tough right now. I like them all, honestly. I think I can watch them all. I think I can watch all the major sports um, whether it's a team that I root for or not. Um, uh, so yeah, basketball, baseball, football. Um, I never got into hockey or anything like that. So, um, probably not that, (laughs) uh, but yeah, I, I I can't, I can't pick one of those. I think I like to watch them all. Right.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, that there's always, uh, you know, a general, sense of appreciation that i have for each sport respectively but you know for me personally there's always that one that just really i just can't get enough of you know and even though i grew up playing volleyball it was it was always football for me
1: oh yeah yeah no for sure yeah i remember too when you know when we would do when we had i am lee and stuff what was it 2019 you know we we had football too it was football season and just kind of just playing catch with y'all too like for, for you, Nick, for sure. I can always tell, you know, football was that uh, was sport for you. Yep. Never look back.
0: and that, <laughs> I mean, the, I could go on for hours about the, the, where it stems from, but we'll save that for a different time. But um, so being that you have a general appreciation for sports in general, I think I might know the answer to this next question, but what is your favorite sports team to cheer for? Um
1: AJ giving me this face like ah damn, I gotta hear this again. (laughs) As 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 he puts on his uh his mask with I don't know what what team it is, I can't even read it. Um now I so I I I grew up the champ (laughs) (laughs) champ? The Raiders really? Um I grew up in San Francisco, California, um four and five all day, every day. So I grew up Giants, Niners, primarily. Warriors, I did have a love for Warriors. I'm not going to lie, though. Um, After our run TMC days, uh, (laughs) where we had uh, Mitch Richmond, Tim Hardaway, uh, Chris Mullins. Um, After that, like, it was just some hard days. So uh, I remember, though, going to my first Warriors game, where uh, I remember the the slogan was um, it's a great timeout and hot dogs were like a couple bucks. Tickets were like $10, $15, which right. That's, that's nothing now. Um, but that was the atmosphere and there was like not many people in the, in, in the stands. I remember at that game. And um, so whether or not we had losing seasons, I would always cheer for the Bay area teams, particularly, like I said, Niners, Giants, Warriors, although for sure, uh niners and giants i think just had a bigger um connection to to my family and to you know to our household and our and our neighborhoods um so when it comes to that though you know bay area teams you know i'm saying i'll always follow them and um i think those are always the teams i grew up cheering for yeah i mean
0: the those those uh run tmc man that that's you don't hear a lot of people talk about that now. It's just you know, Steph Curry all the way. So, I mean, that's that's the mark of a true fan, right there. I mean, because
1: if you feel me, because they don't know their history, yeah. I, gotta, I gotta teach them history.
0: You feel me? I gotta teach them
1: history. I had um, one of, one of my favorite players too, uh, during those tougher years because we had to, like, you know, uh, Antoine Jameson. I love Larry Hughes when Larry Hughes was playing for the team uh, Daniel Marshall. I love when he would kick it out, uh, to the wing, he'd hit a three, uh, Bob Sura. Yo, I'm a I'm dropping names that like, unless you, you feel me, unless you grew up watching the team in the city or in Oakland or anywhere in the Bay, um, you're not going to know. Uh, you, you feel me? But, uh, but yeah, during those times, you know, it was, it was tough, but you know, it was still a squad though. And then we had the 07 team with Baron Davis uh you know with with the we believe cats you know oh, that was a wonderful team we
2: believe, believe you.
1: that's my that's when i was going yeah man you know and um yeah at that time you know uh i remember yeah I remember that run like that was a crazy run and then then we had some more tough years but um i think the reason why i i, I like to always remember these guys is because um when you when we finally got that championship in in 2015 like like I told y'all, I, I've been to the games where we had a handful of people where, you know, tickets were so cheap that, you know, you could go, you know, three, four times a week. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that championship made it so much sweeter because I have those memories. Um, you know, I, I have those memories of being, uh, you know, at Oracle or whatever it was called at that time um and just being in that arena and so now when you see Steph and Clay and, and Draymond all these guys you know when KD was there like it just made it that much more sweeter because you know you've I've seen them I've seen the team you know I I uh I had the starter jackets like <laughs> you feel me yeah. I, I've seen them when they were at, at their lowest so um
0: yeah man but
1: gotta know the history
0: oh you know, I feel like we could go on for hours and hours, but unfortunately we got to bring this show to a close and this particular segment of this episode to a close. So, I mean, thank you so much, David, for your time. Uh, this was such a great discussion. It was very educational. Uh, we hope that our listeners can take something that they hear on this show and apply it to their daily lives. Is there any concluding thoughts you'd like to leave?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I just want to say, uh, yeah, just thank you. Uh, AJ, Nick, thank you both. Um, thank you to, to I am lead sports. Um, shout out to Lex too, for sure. (laughs) Um, and everybody that's involved with y'all. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for, uh, bringing me on, um, letting me share and just, you know, chop it up, talk story with, with the both of you. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I think just, uh, like I shared earlier, just my heart, uh, my intentions always with, um, with the people of our communities, the people of Hawaii, with our survivors, our, our, our folks, um, you know, who are, who are just continuing to fight, you know, continuing to fight, um, for, for recognition, continuing to fight for, for liberation, for freedom, whatever it is, whatever, pocket of uh you know of society or communities that you're in Uh, my heart is always with folks um so uh yeah so just thank you
0: of course and you know right back at you the love the love that we share man right back at you um
2: except you claiming you dropped 40 on me i don't i don't know (laughs) nothing about (laughs) that
1: nah i I, 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 didn't, I didn't want to drop 40 on you I, I, I didn't want to you know embarrass you in front of your friends you know i i, I, yeah, understood
2: I appreciate age. i understood. i appreciate that thank you for sparing me in oh, front of yeah. my recent girlfriend at the time it was my recent girlfriend at the time yeah
1: yeah you're well yeah you're, you're welcome bro i got you i got you, you know what i'm saying i'm not gonna let you you know
2: and, on, and listen, the, I heard you say that your body type was not fit for the basketball so just so we're all clear i'm out here 6'2" just to give y'all listeners, <laughs> just to give y'all listeners a perspective good, yeah a good perspective <laughs> so what's going on right now <laughs> but no we really do appreciate you coming by David it's always a good conversation whether it's about uh school related stuff or just in general man we really appreciate it
0: right on right on thank y'all uh, yeah uh we might have I mean we'll definitely have to bring you on and and talk about that that basketball thing on a, on a different episode of the <laughs> podcast so but Anyway, make sure to follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at I am Lee sports and be sure to support our sponsors that we advertise on the show. We are on Spotify. So those of you that listen to music on the Spotify app, please search. I am Lee sportscast and select follow to get the latest updates on when we release new episodes every week. We'll see how finals go. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. We appreciate your support. And as a reminder, stay active, stay healthy, and stay tuned for our next episode of the I Am Lee Sportscast. This is your host, Nick Miller, accompanied by my fellow staff member and co-host, AJ, signing off until next time. Mahalo, everyone.